the Comic Book Time Machine, Episode 95, Holiday Extravaganza, Star Trek Next Generation, Issue Number 2, Spirit in the Sky, and the Funko Pop Exchange 2016. Going up to the spirit in the sky. That's where I'm going to go when I die. When I die and they lay me to rest. Going to go to the place that's the best. Hello, I'm Ben. Ben Avery. And I am here in this holiday season to talk about a merry Star Trek Christmas. Yes, I am here to talk about a comic book published by DC Comics. It's a real thing. It's Star Trek's Next Generation, and it's their Christmas... I mean, it's almost the equivalent of their holiday special. Let's just throw it out there. Uh, this isn't great. But I'm doing this for you because it's Christmas time, and we need a Christmas episode. We need some holiday cheer. And so why not turn to the pages of Star Trek The Next Generation's six-issue miniseries based on the hot new TV show from 1988, issue number two. <laughs> so, yeah, it's no secret that I am a Star Trek fan. I do consider myself a Trekkie, uh, not a Trekker. For what it's worth, that's just the word that was around when I was into Star Trek. And uh, kids at school used that word to describe me. I didn't care. I didn't care that it was a pejorative. I didn't care that they were making fun of me. I didn't care at all. I liked Star Trek. I liked it a lot. And when they called me a Trekkie, I went with it. And then a couple years later, I found out that Trekker is the word that people liked. That Trekker is the more respectful word and that Trekkie was kind of, you know, like that insult. And I didn't care. I wore that insult proudly when I was in school. And this comic book, uh, digging this out, has brought up some memories. And it's some good memories, you know. Um, <laughs> good memories of Star Trek The Next Generation. And when I found out that it was going to happen. Uh, you know, Star Trek The Next Generation premiered in 19. 87, you know, almost, almost 30 years ago, which is amazing to think about it. Now, the previous year, uh, Star Trek four had just come out and that was the first Star Trek movie I saw in theaters. And my dad took me and it was, you know, December, we were doing Christmas shopping. And so while my dad and I were at the movie, my mom and my sister and my brother, they went Christmas shopping, and then we all joined back up together after the movie and went out to eat. It was a really big day and a fun day, and it's a fond day that I have. I, I you know, my dad and I had fun seeing that movie, and Star Trek Four was a really fun movie, a great movie to have at Christmas time. Uh, it's just got your spirits up, and you know, here's the thing: Star Trek Four had crossover appeal and not only did it have crossover appeal one of the bullies at school who bullied me okay now this isn't the bully at school who chased me 
down and was going to beat me up. And this is the bully in school who punched me in the face in the middle of English class because I provoked him. No, <laughs> this is the the bully in school who actually beat up that other bully now that I think of it. Um, not on my behalf, just because they were friends and their friendship was not a great one and they got in a fight in the middle of math class. Anyway, uh, he stopped me in the hallway because he had seen the movie and he knew I had seen it because he knew me and talked to me about it. And actually like, wasn't it funny when blah, 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 blah. And I'm standing here talking to this bully who picked on me and who kind of scared me in some ways. And I'm talking about Star Trek with this guy. And, you know, I, there were other memories that I have of Star Trek, right? You know, people make fun of me for liking it. And people make fun of the show. There's one kid at school who made fun of the show. Clearly, this kid watched the show a lot because he was able to make fun of very specific things about the show. But I also had some friendships that came out of that. My one friend, um, Mike, you know, I, before this, you know, before Star Trek four came out, I was watching the Star Trek show and reruns and obviously reruns after school, after dinner, uh, Saturday afternoons. And at some point in it was either in late 86, the beginning of, of our seventh grade year or early 87, my friend Mike, who we both loved Star Wars. We both loved Star Trek. We both loved those things. Um, I don't remember him being into superhero comics as much as I was, but I had a couple other friends who were into that. But anyway, he uh, gave me a newspaper clipping with some news that uh, Star Trek was returning to television. And I took that clipping and I, I laminated it with scotch tape. So the poor man's lamination or whatever. Uh, it was just a, an inch and a half tall, two inches wide, you know, just a very brief blurb that, you know, in, in the entertainment section of the newspaper. And I put that in my wallet and it stayed there for years. Now it didn't stay there for years because of the uh, announcement about Star Trek. It stayed there for years because I moved away after that school year and uh, I put it in there uh, because of the Star Trek news, but I left it in there because it had been given to me by my friend and just kind of as a keepsake and kind of a side note, I did visit him once more. Um, I think it was my freshman year. It might've been during eighth grade year uh, after we moved away from Michigan I visited him and then just a couple of years ago, actually, he showed up at one of my book signings in Michigan, which was kind of cool just to touch base with him again. And, and then he made the time to do that. And we still are a little bit connected on Facebook. But anyway, um, you know, that was only the first Trek friendship that I had. And whenever I think about Star Trek Next Generation and pulling out this comic and thinking about, oh, this comic came out the year Star Trek Next Generation started, made me think of Mike again. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of digressing all over the place. But that year in school was also um, – so you had Star Trek Four, you had the TV show and reruns that I was watching, and that was also when I discovered uh, Star Trek comics. I shouldn't say I discovered Star Trek comics then, but that's when I was reading them and, and buying them. I did have one of the Marvel uh, Marvel comics, one of the Marvel Star Trek comics that came out um, way back, you know, in the late seventies. Uh, someone somehow I got a one of those poly bags that you would get in the stores. At least it was in grocery stores at that time. Uh, I'm pretty sure this is at my my grandparents' grocery store. And on the front and back, you could see what the two 
outside comics were. But in the middle, you couldn't see what that was. The front and back were two Star Wars comics, and that's why I wanted it. That's why I bought it. And by the way, those Star Trek comics, I still have them. I think they're issue 49 and 50, something like that. Uh, fantastic story. Really, really cool story. And it might have even been uh, 49, 50, and 51 because I had those three in a row and, and I loved them. And I read them over and over and over again. But I also had the Star Trek comic in there. And um, it was one of the Marvel comics that they the, – the Marvel Star Trek comics weren't the greatest. I don't have the fondest memories of them uh, reading them as an adult. And I only had this one as a kid and it was the one with uh, – uh, Kirk and Spock on the cover and they're holding on their hand a gnome who's wearing the pointy red hat and everything. And so that was the first Star Trek comic I became aware of. I guess if you're going to say, when did I discover Star Trek in comics? That would be it. But when I when did I discover good Star Trek stories in comics? Well, that was in this year. I was able to purchase some for myself off of spinner racks and magazine racks at like B. Dalton or whatever bookstore. But I also had an English teacher who uh, she had comics, a stack of comics in her classroom. And this stack of comics she had gotten from a barber friend of hers who gave gave her this this stack of comic books to put in her classroom. And I read them. And, you know, they actually um, one of them was also a. a I believe it was a John Byrne um, Man of Steel. There was a handful of those, and there was a couple Star Trek comic books right right in a row. And uh, actually, at the end of the year then, she gave those comics to me. She let me have them. And these comics, they were set in between Star Trek Three and Star Trek Four. And it's kind of funny because in, in the DC comics anyway, after Star Trek Three, when Spock was back, they just went back and... You know, the Enterprise was gone, but they just took the Excelsior and they had their adventures on the Excelsior that they would have had on the Enterprise. But in the movies, Star Trek Four is a direct continuation after Star Trek Three, And it's like they never left the planet Vulcan where they were really going to be in trouble for breaking the law and for going after Spock when they weren't supposed to in the search for Spock. And so then these comics that I had from... Um, from this this teacher, were, um, just kind of explaining, you know, how did uh, they end up back on Vulcan and still in trouble again, you know, so they could get back there in time for the events of Star Trek Four: the, the Voyage Home, and yeah, so that, and that was okay, but anyways, I was I was buying some of the comics off the rack, and um, I was also at this time making my own. Star Trek comics. I was writing and I was drawing new adventures of Kirk and company and they were pretty awful art wise, but the stories I enjoyed just, I just enjoyed doing it. I remember just sitting down in my, my living room. I remember sitting down in um, our, our neighbor's house, Mrs. Stover. And I was drawing uh, she was babysitting for us or something like that. I don't know exactly why I was there, but I was drawing one of these comics and I, I remember drawing this picture of Captain Kirk and I vividly remember it and looking at it and saying, whoa, this actually looks like William Shatner. I was so excited that I'd actually drawn something good as far as faces and people went. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, Star Trek was actually it was a major stepping stone in my own creative development. Um, that English teacher that I had uh, gotten those comics from. Uh, she read a Star Trek prose story that I had written, and I I wrote it and I 
typed it. And man, did I work hard, you know, typing this because I I never learned how to type. I was hunt and peck, two fingers, and just taking my time, having to use the the whiteout to cover uh, my mistakes. And I gave her a copy because I photocopied them too, and uh, I drew a cover on it. I gave her a copy, and she asked, "Well, can I take this? Can I show this to?" one of my professors for a class I'm taking and she gave me some very high praise. I remember that, but then she brought it back to me with high praise from this professor. And I still remember those words, which I shouldn't say high praise, but um, he was very complimentary. And I still remember those words that, that she gave to me from him. And it was absolutely, I mean, I, I say Trek was a part of my creative development, and it was. as a, It was fan fiction that I was writing, obviously, and I, I really believe there's a place for fan fiction uh, in an artist's creative development because you're using someone else's characters and you're able to use someone else's tools from their you know toolbox and, and build on that and, and learn how to use your own. But then uh, I, I do believe that there is a point where, you know, make your own stuff. Make your own stuff and, and you can do more with it. Or take your fan fiction and change all the names and, and turn around and say it's your own stuff. Um, but anyway, there there is a place for fan fiction. I, I really believe that there is. Uh, and for me, the place for fan fiction was as part of creative development and learning how to write and learning how to express and tell story and, and, and that kind of thing. And... Uh, the other thing then, I guess, obviously, that teacher was a huge part of my creative development with the, the, the encouragement that she gave me to, to keep on that track because that directly influenced me and, and influenced the way, um, the, the way that I went about my schooling and the way that I went about the, my extracurricular activities and never really stopped writing uh, until you know, becoming a comic book writer as I am, as I am now. So anyway – uh, digression teachers rock okay back to star trek and everything uh september 1987 star trek the next generation is going to premiere there was something going on i don't know what it might have been a band concert or something like that i wasn't going to be home which was terrible and the other thing that was terrible we had a vcr so we could record it but we didn't know how to set the vcr to record at a certain time and so we couldn't record the show but our neighbors had a vcr and so we asked our neighbor who we had known for like a month i think we had just moved into this new place and moved away from where like i said mike had been and they they said they'd do it. And so they set their VCR and they recorded Star Trek The Next Generation for me. And that's how I had Encounter at Farpoint on a VHS tape to watch over and over and over again. And recently I watched Encounter at Farpoint with my children and I was in my mind quoting all the lines and just thinking to myself, you know, Considering how many times we watched over and over and over again that first season, not not the greatest. We'll get back to some of that quality issue later on. But um, then November of 87. November of 87, what was that? Well, that was the date that uh, Star Trek Next Generation issue one, 
like I said, part of that six-issue miniseries based on the hot new TV show Hit the Stands. I don't know if I bought it right on that date in November. I might have. It might have been December. I don't know. But I got that issue number one. And in fact, I have it on my desk in front of me right now. And just looking at the cover, which is a nice image of of the Enterprise and just a, just the Enterprise with some technical specs in the background and very very cool cover and very nostalgic for me. I remember a lot about that first issue and I remember reading it. I remember it was, it held a treasured place in my collection. And back then my, my collection was not very big, but this was a very special one for me to have. And, you know, this was a six issue mini series. I couldn't subscribe to it. I had subscribed at this point to the uh, Star Trek series, which was ongoing, but this one could be subscribed to. And so I only caught three of the six issues. I had issue number one. I had issue number two. I had issue number five. Like I said, I have memories of issue number one. I have memories of issue number five, which featured Q and had a, uh, data holding the lifeless body of Jordy LaForge in that classic Piete style of thing where, you know, everyone is looking at Jordy and it's clearly that he's dead. There's a guy at the gun in the background and and it featured q uh i remember i have very fond memories of both of those issues but issue number two uh i don't have any memories about this i just remembered it was a christmas story and i honestly remembered the letters from issue number five about issue number two more than i remember issue number two itself but i did remember that issue number two was a christmas story and so I dug it up. I dug out my my Star Trek Next Generation comics, those three issues. Uh, I had other comics of Star Trek Next Generation from when it became a regular series, and I had the subscription for a little bit of that. And then now I have a digital collection of all the DC comics, Star Trek comics, and also I think the Marvel ones are on there, and then even the newer Marvel ones. But um, these were the ones I had in paper. These were the ones from that first miniseries. So I dug it up for the comic book time machine. Why? Because it's Christmas. It's Christmas. And I wanted to answer some questions about this because I remembered this was a Christmas issue and I remembered it had something to do with Santa, but I didn't remember Santa from the story. I remember Santa being mentioned in the letters page, like I said, of issue number five. So why had this one been forgotten? Was it because of blandness? Was it because of stupidness? Was it because of, you know, why? Why didn't I remember this? Because this would have been one that I would have read over and over unless there's a reason for me not to read it over and over. I remember the Q story. I remember especially the ending of issue number one, you know, but this one, not so much. So I just thought, you know what? Christmas time, comic book time machine. Let's explore this. And it's Christmas time here and now, but wherever you are, and more importantly, whenever you are, please don't be turned off by the holiday theming of this podcast episode. Um, we're just here to talk about a Star Trek comic. It just happens to be a Christmas comic. And so, you know, we're going to explore this thing and we're going to see, we're going to answer some of these questions. But the main question being, 
what was it about this that either caused me to not read it enough to remember it or that just caused me to just plain forget about it? So where do we begin? Uh, let's just start with the cover. Let's just start with the cover. We're inside a spaceship, presumably the Enterprise. There is a view screen or a window, and which even though there's a funky angling to the uh, architecture, I guess, um, I'm presuming we're on the bridge here. But it could be like a holodeck because there's snow and there's Christmas trees. So it could be on the holodeck. But if they're on the holodeck, they're on the holodeck that is showing the bridge with snow and Christmas trees and through the either the view screen on the bridge or a window if we're in a different room there's a spaceship and that spaceship is actually the spaceship that is outside the enterprise in the issue and so i don't know why the holodeck would you know just be a place that they could be there and that they programmed it to show what is actually outside it doesn't matter it doesn't matter here's what you see wesley crusher is laying in the snow helplessly looking very very scared uh there's a Christmas tree right behind him and behind the Christmas tree is a space ninja with a ray gun holding Tasha Yar helplessly by the arm. She can't do anything, but you know who can, you know, who's heroically standing between Wesley Crusher and the Christmas tree. He's standing between them and a space alien, another one of the space aliens who's not wearing his ninja mask. Instead, he has this green face. And he's got his ray gun and he's pointing it maybe at Picard, maybe at Wesley, maybe at the Christmas tree. I don't know exactly what he's pointing it at, but yeah, this is the cover. And first of all, A. Uh, snow on the inside of the spaceship of the Enterprise uh, with a Christmas tree. Is it a holodeck? Is it the bridge? It's hard to tell. The placement, the place, you just don't know. I think it's supposed to be the bridge. But anyway, B, Tasha Yar just standing there helplessly. No, no, she's not passive. She's not a passive character. Uh, somehow, they draw her so it's like this bizarre combination of energy to the panel because of all the there's just this kind of curved line to everything but she's passive no no c looking at this cover now and knowing the joke behind this issue looking at the green alien uh makes me makes me sigh and then d like I said before, six issue miniseries based on the hot new TV show emblazoned on the cover. It was on all the covers of the issues that I have. Um, I guess they people they wanted people to know that it wasn't based based on the uh, cold old TV show. This is the hot new TV show, the new hotness, as they say. So let's talk about the story. The story opens up, and you know, <laughs> it opens up with a. A picture of space, and it's big, really big. You would not believe how, no, sorry, wrong franchise. Well, on this first page, we have four panels showing the same bit of space. It's kind of a cinematic representation of a, of a chase as we go from panel one, which is empty except for the star field in the background, to panel two, 
where a comet flies through space in front of that star field. To panel three, again, empty, same star field. To panel four, a spaceship is chasing the comet, and they cannot let it escape. So that would be, really, honestly, that would be uh, probably your cold open uh, leading into the, the credits. Um, but maybe it would go into this scene here, because now we, we shift over to the Enterprise. And speaking of shifting over, the crew is changing shifts because their shift is over. Uh, anyway, this puts Riker in the captain's seat while the day shift is all excited because everyone's having their holiday parties. And they had hoped to be at a Starbase for the holidays, but they didn't make it. And so now it's the holidays and it's time for parties. And and he's reassuring Jean-Luc Picard that it's okay for him to leave the bridge. Uh, Picard doesn't want to because he doesn't want to go to the Christmas parties or the holiday parties. But Riker says traditionally... It's a quiet evening, galaxy-wide. And so Picard has to put in his appearance at the holidays. So with Riker in command, uh, the comet and the spacecraft approach, and they're on the sensors, and um, we get this splash page with the title, which is Spirit in the Sky. And this red comet thing is heading right toward the Enterprise, if not hitting the Enterprise right now, and you see the other ship. In, in the background and that might be the place where we would have you know cut to credits and 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 see you know if this was an episode of on on tv um speaking of credits mark um mark mike carlin is the writer pablo marcus see that's why i said mark earlier is the penciler carlos garzon and arn star are inkers bob pinana is the letterist carl gafford is the colorist and then robert greenberger is the editor. So these are the people to blame for this bit of Christmas cheer. Uh, unless maybe they're not to blame because it just might be true that they said, Hey, with our publishing schedule, um, this will come out in November, just in time for Christmas. So let's do a Christmas issue of this series. I just can't help thinking this isn't the greatest idea. Um, and I also am kind of surprised that it got past the, the Star Trek gatekeepers, although I don't think that the Star Trek gatekeepers were quite as hands on during this time period. Uh, I know that with the new series that followed when when both Star Trek and Star Trek Next Generation had uh, ongoing series at, at DC, that when that happened... Um, there was a lot more hands-on with with Paramount Studios and, and the Star Trek people. But anyway, it's kind of interesting to think about because when they would have been working on this issue, they the, the pilot episode hadn't even aired yet. Uh, in order to, for this to come out, uh, this, this was in production while the TV show was in production. And so I don't know if they actually were able to get like VHS copies – uh, when I was in Los Angeles, I actually had a couple uh, copies of some Deep Space Nine episodes. And when you would put them in, uh, there's this message that was running across the bottom almost the entire time saying it was for um, like award season review only. And so I wonder if they had, you know, advanced copies of the show or if they just had photo reference like happens with uh, with movie adaptations and that sort of thing. But it's interesting to think about how this was being written before we really had, or the writer would have had much of a chance to really 
get to know the characters and get to see the characters. Even if they were able to see advanced copies of some of these episodes, there wouldn't have been that many episodes to have advanced copies of anyway. So back to the story. Uh, The energy ball comet thing causes some energy fluctuations, and then the people on the other ship contact the Enterprise. And uh, they look like Space Ninja, like I said, and they're covering their faces because punchline. (laughs) So Riker, in his infinite wisdom, invites them to join the holiday festivities as long as they leave weapons behind, and they agree. So meanwhile, the crew is getting ready for the Christmas parties, uh, and they are getting dressed up in their 90s comic book Ren Faire future wear, meaning that the women dress and pose very sexy. Even Crusher getting ready with, with Wesley. I mean, she's not getting dressed with him in the room, but she's you know finishing up putting on her, her earrings and standing in a sexy pose. And then uh, there's also the Bickleys. And these two, oh my goodness, I remember them from the first issue, and I remember them, I guess, from this issue. I think that might be the only thing I remember from this issue, because after reading their scenes, I remembered those scenes. Um, But I don't remember anything else in this. Uh, And they they were created for the comic, and they bicker all the time. Get it? Bickley? They bicker? And they're bickering right now. And Mrs. Bickley is standing in the middle of their bedroom in her underwear with clothes strewn across the room because, ha-ha, she can't decide what to wear. And then he's complaining because, ha-ha, he's impatient, and they're a married couple, and they bicker. Ha-ha. So everyone meets at the holodeck where there is snow and Christmas trees and skiing and mistletoe hung up right above the door. I believe it's... uh, the Crusher, I can't remember now, Crusher or Troy, who gives Jordy a kiss under the mistletoe, and Data remarks about how it's a weird tradition, which kind of is. Uh, but the pick, the Bickleys, they bicker until they get under the mistletoe. They kiss. It's a panel with no dialogue at all. And the next panel is them walking away from the mistletoe, bickering again. Ha, 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 ha. So while the party is going on, the space ninja come over. And they meet Picard and Tasha, and Picard takes them around the ship and eventually brings them to the party on the holodeck. But Wesley Crusher notices one of them sneak away, so he follows. And this sneaky ninja, space ninja guy, he's sensing the energy trail of something they're looking for, which we can clearly know this is the red space comet thing that entered into the Enterprise. And when uh, Wesley brings this up to Picard and Picard finally believes him, the alien ninjas admit that they are looking for something. And they say, aren't we all searching for that entity? The one we try to model all our actions after. Our inspiration. So Troy and Wesley are walking away and they come across this ninja, space ninja, who is still looking for this thing. And... He kind of trips and falls and bonks his head. And yes, it's a bonk effects, sound effect thing. And Troy uses her powers, uh, a lot like a Vulcan. Actually puts her hands on this ninja, space ninja guy. And he was very aggressive, but he bonked his head, so he's not anymore. And it stuns him long enough to get sensed by her. And she's able to see that his motives are not good. And there's like these 
energy lines that are like going up her arms. And um, I don't know how they would have visualized this on TV. It would have been a really bad effect. And so I'm, I'm curious if this is something that they were planning to do to visualize this on TV or if this is just something that was an affectation uh, taken up by the comic book. But anyway, whatever it is, uh, it doesn't look like anything that happens on TV. I mean, normally it's just her standing there. I sense something. So they, he returns back to the other space ninja and he, after this whole beta Z uh, ordeal proclaims that, They've tried to drain me. They are like us. And so now we know they drain energy. This is something about the aliens that we know. They wear ninja masks and they drain energy. And so weapons are beamed from their ship directly into their hands. But Tasha Yar and Jordy LaForge take them down quickly. Now, that doesn't stop them completely, but Picard's words do stop them, as it should be. I mean, that is Captain Picard. He is willing to go into action, but he is also willing to use his wisdom and his diplomacy. Even, you know, if it's aggressive diplomacy, but usually it's it's verbal diplomacy. And so that's what he does now. He says, hey, the ship, by the way, had been drained of power by the other ship. And he says, even without power, we outnumber you 101 in this room alone. And we've already disarmed you guys. And so... Then they start talking about, okay, well, what is it you're after? And Troy has sensed the thing that they have sensed. And it's revealed that the comet is there, right there with them and hiding. And it's hiding in data. And it comes out and Jordy can see it. And for all the flaws of this comic book, and there are so many, I do feel like that at least the usage of Jordy and his visor is a good usage of the character and a good usage of the tech that he has. And, <laughs> but what he sees, okay, so I'm saying that about the fact that he can see something more and the fact that they actually use that as they're trying to follow this um, energy being. But what he sees is, as he's looking at this energy being through his visor is that the red comet thing has this kind of vague form in its shape. A vague shape to its flames. Something kind of like a, a, a bearded face. And then the space ninja reveal themselves and they tear off their masks and their shirts. And we see that they are Grinches. Yes, they have eyebrows and green coloring fur all over they are clearly grinches they are designed after dr seuss's the grinch who stole christmas and here this is kind of the punchline or this is the um secondary punchline leading up to the primary punchline at the end of the story the grinches are tracking down this red comet thing that is santa and by the way like almost every other character in this book, they are comic book superhero buff. They are really, really buff, really tough. Now, then, as again, looking through Jordy's vision, through his, his visor, we see that the comic, the comet thing is, is getting a, a clearer form, looking more and more like a bearded man with maybe a bit mittens. 
and a belt. And then we kind of get this uh, realization or revelation, I should say, that the Grinches are going to absorb this red energy. And the energy creature attacks the primary uh, space Grinch. So like the, the captain of the space Grinch ninja, um, and become, it, it gets solid and has mass and knocks him over. And Picard is now worried that this, you know, this is a, an aggressive creature, but data reassures him and says, wait, please, sir, please let it go. It means no harm. I know because it was inside me. It's just spreading dot, dot, dot. Well, it felt wonderful. Spreading what? Well, I'll let you uh, fill in the blank for now, but we'll, we'll get to it, I guess. So the Space Grinches prepare to make chase, and they're going to go after this thing, but Picard tells them, no, don't. This is my ship. The leader agrees. It is Picard's ship. We will honor his wishes with this. And you know he's the one who got hit by the comet thing, and he says it was wonderful. It gave him a wonderful feeling. So now everyone's friends and they're going to go find the thing and they follow it. <laughs> they follow it to some other holiday parties where the Marciac crew members are celebrating something. Uh, and then they, they follow its essence also to the Trampolian Triac party. And so basically all the people have their holiday parties on the same night. Uh, but they lose the trail. They lose the trail because it's dissipating energy when it goes to these different places and giving everyone, I guess, warm, wonderful feelings as it spreads. Well, you, you can figure out what it spreads, I guess. They lose the trail, but Data and the alien ninja Grinch captain know that the being would go to ships north. <laughs> because, of course, it's Santa. So they all head to the bridge, which is, I guess, the northernmost point of the ship. I guess it makes sense. And now the energy form, as seen through Geordi's visor, has taken the form of a guy with a beard and mittens and a belt and boots and a hat. But he's just kind of sitting near the view screen, thin, tired, dissipated and so one of the aliens realizes that this thing is dying and i guess the idea here is that they're they're trying to absorb the energy and knowing it's dying knowing that it's dissipated so much energy it wants to absorb as much energy as he can before it dies right now have it now uh which is an understandable reaction i guess but they stop that alien and data and the alien ninja grinch captain guy know what they need to do uh, it's dying it it needs our help and data then <laughs> says it needs our love isn't that the least we can offer it and then the captain continues data's thought after what it has done for us and so it stands and Jordy narrates for everyone else who can't see it although we can see it he says hey guys you're helping it and I don't know what they're doing to help it. I don't know how uh, Alien, Ninja, Grinch, Captain, and Data are sending it love, but they 
are somehow. And Riker says, what's going on? And Picard says, I, I can't say I'm totally sure, but something spiritual. And you know, Wesley Crusher says, wow, Captain Picard believes. And the creature stands and we see the creature getting fatter, more detail. <laughs> Clearly it's Santa Claus standing there. And then it pays them back and makes everyone feel good. And they all feel good as it spreads. It's Christmas joy, I guess. Uh, the aliens on the other ship, they also feel it and they let the Enterprise have its power back or whatever it is that they're doing. And they say, can we come over and continue in the festivities with you? And we'll bring gifts this time. And they allow them to do that. And then the captain's log says, whatever the galaxy traveling ent entity we encountered was, it left both the Enterprise and Krieg crews with more, much more than we could have ever given it. I only hope it lasts into the new year. So that's the issue. That's the story. That's the second Star Trek, the next generation story that DC Comics published. Yep. There it is. Now, I do have some compliments. I do have a compliment. Uh, the art looks really good, especially when it's face the, the faces of the characters. They are spot on. Now, the body motions are a bit exaggerated into positions that don't feel natural, um, but there's energy to the art, and there's actually, when I say there's energy, uh, more energy than, honestly, the first season of Star Trek The Next Generation had, uh, which, by the way, the first season isn't as bad as everyone says it is, but it wasn't good, and it was definitely boring if you compare it to the other seasons that followed as it was had opportunity to develop and to spread its wings and to really figure out what it was and who these characters were and uh, but i i will definitely say this star trek next generation compared to what else we had out there as far as science fiction and stuff it was the best and that first season i loved that first season of star trek next generation possibly because it was the only thing we had and I don't love it now going back and revisiting some of those first season episodes I wouldn't watch them by choice usually uh, and the only reason we watched Encounter at Farpoint with my kids was because I wanted them to see the first episode uh, but anyway um, the awkward poses kind of also stem from the idea that there's you know one of the other problems is the superhero physiques the men and the women had of these idealized body types. And it's kind of understandable. Uh, you know, they're real people on the show and they aren't real people. You know, when you're drawing a comic book superhero, I, it, it just, that always has bothered me. Uh, even when I was um, you know, first reading these comics, it bothered me that they had those kind of buff physiques or perfect uh, just the kind of perfect musculature that both the women and the men had. Also, another problem, the aliens being Grinches, man. I mean, really? I, you know, we're chasing after the Christmas spirit, and I, I don't know if this is meant to be like some sort of satirical or 
parody sequel to How the Grinch Stole Christmas, where now they just are chasing after that feeling. And that's actually something that I'm I'm kind of giving this story more than uh, the story is giving me because, you know, that's that's a real thing where, you know, when, when you have something that feels good, you, you go after it and you continue after it. And I could see that being uh, a follow-up to the Grinch story is, uh, okay, so my heart grew three times too big that day. I have the Christmas spirit. You know, how do I continue? What do I need to do? And uh, there could be a, an interesting addiction um, uh, morality tale there. But anyway, then you have the comet being actually taking the form of Santa. Yeah. No. <laughs> That's kind of goofy. That's really goofy and not necessarily in the good way. I mean, Trek has done this before. They had Apollo in an episode, you know, the, the god Apollo. And they've done other things with, with, you know, mythology and gods and historical characters. And, you know, Christmas stories have done the Christmas ghost story before. It's a staple of Christmas fiction, primarily because of Charles Dickens. Uh, but kind of wrapping up in this, <laughs> wrapping up in comic book covers, Dr. Seuss, Santa, Charles Dickens, and Trek does not really work well for me. Then you have the idea that everyone seems to celebrate their holidays at the same time. Even Klingons celebrate at this time of year. That was a bit much. And Riker calling it, he says, this is normally a quiet evening galaxy-wide how do you have a quiet evening galaxy-wide? That's not possible unless every planet just happens to, you know, it's not even possible to look at a solar system and say it's a quiet evening here because one side of every planet is not having evening. They're having, like, total daytime. And so maybe I'm reading too much into this and maybe I'm just, you know, dog piling on it or giving, you know, just giving it too much grief. But I think it's fair to say that the reason I didn't remember this very much was I simply didn't, I didn't get the joke with the Grinches maybe, or I didn't like the Christmas angle because the Santa thing felt silly and the Grinch reference fell flat. But, you know, I'm not the only one who says this. There is a funny exchange and it's not really an exchange, but it is uh, kind of one letter following up on another one that they wouldn't have couldn't have known about. Um, in the letters page of issue five, uh, the first letter, I'm not going to read the whole thing, just the part that is about this issue, says, Dear Bob, only Scrooge could find something unlikable about issue number two, so I'll let it rest. Great detail of work, and that's from Michael. And then the next one says, Dear Mike and company, don't spoil an otherwise fascinating tale by trying to tell me that that was anything other than an energy being who takes on the form of uh, takes on a form recognizable to the being able to see it. A look at the spiritual aspect of this season for various cultures is appropriate, but trying to say a real Santa Claus exists is not, and would be a slap at the believability of the Star Trek universe. And the person who wrote that letter signed his name as Scrooge. So, you know, the first letter writer said only a Scrooge could find something unlikable. And then a Scrooge wrote in and proved him right, I guess. But um, yeah, and I like the idea. They don't explore that. They don't. They don't say it. But that Georgie was, you know, seeing something and interpreting it. And honestly, 
when I was trying to remember this issue, I thought that the energy being, um, as I was reading, that the energy being was going to take on like the the Santa Claus form from different planets, but it didn't. Um, yeah. <laughs> so this comic is kind of goofy, kind of ridiculous, and normally I do like goofy and ridiculous, but this one is not the right kind of goofy and ridiculous, and it feels too out of character for the next generation. Although, again, how could they know? How could they know what kind of stories were coming? How could they know what the characters would and wouldn't do? Um, I think they did a pretty good job of characterization considering how early this is. It's just the story itself that, that doesn't work for me. Um, yeah. So that's this issue. And, you know, after I play the music here, the music sounder, there is going to be another segment. And this other segment is going to include some of the other comic book time machine hosts, Daniel, Matt, Evan, and then myself, as we do a Funko pop vinyl exchange, which should be hopefully fun. Maybe more fun than this comic book. (laughs) But it was fun to go back in time to that time period in my life. And, you know, after this, we did move and and we moved to Ohio. And and that year was just a one-off year. Uh, That was the year that, you know, for for season one where our our neighbors recorded it for us. Um, My freshman year, I got to spend all four years of high school in the same school. And first week of school, I saw some guys and and one of them had a Star Trek novel uh, with his books under his arm. And and for me, um, I was a very shy kid, but I, I... put aside my shyness and I uh, went up to him and I I asked him, is that any good? That was my uh, opening line. I couldn't think of anything else to say. And like I said, I was a shy kid and I didn't make friends easily. And so that took all my courage really to go up and ask this kid, was that any good? Well, the kid's name was Corbett and he was one of my, he became one of my best friends. Uh, He was standing there with Bill who became another one of my best friends and I'm still good friends with them. And it was it was Star Trek that kind of brought us together. It was that common uh, common factor. And so we talked about Star Trek novels. We traded Star Trek novels, and we talked about the Star Trek episodes. You know, they would be on over the weekend, and then we come in on Monday and we talk about what we had seen. And you know, Star Trek it really was this kind of community thing for me. It brought me together with with new friends. Um, and then obviously our friendship wasn't based on Star Trek alone. That wouldn't have la- lasted. 30 years um well maybe it could have but knowing my personality star trek alone wouldn't have been enough for it to last 30 years i mean there were other things involved uh you know there was the spiritual side to our friendships and there was the creative side to our friendships we made movies together we wrote novels together uh long story short on on that we we wrote comic book novels that were parodies of uh, star trek and things like that but uh that friendship did last and become deep and and the stepping stone and one of the commonalities was star trek and so i'll always have an appreciation for star trek that goes beyond just the fact that there's cool characters and cool stories um now that you have the comic book like this that kind of you know is not one of those cool character story things but anyway that's their christmas issue so happy holidays and merry christmas and to all who's listening godspeed And there'll be something after the music with the Funko Pop Exchange. Godspeed.
So here's how we're going to do this for the Funko Pop Exchange 2016. Uh, we are going to visit the past, the present, and the future. We are going to go with the Ghost of Funko Pop Exchange past, and then the Ghost of Funko Pop Exchange present, and then the Ghost of Funko Pop Exchange Future. You get the idea. Uh, you know where I'm coming from. Christmas Carol, Ghost of Christmas Past, Future. You know, you know all that stuff. Um, and also, it's a comic book time machine. So why not go with the Ghost of the Past and the Present and the Future? So that's what we're doing. That's how we're going to run this thing. And it happened in stages. See, that's that's why we're doing this. And the first stage was when Evan visited my house to record a podcast for Strangers and Aliens. So that's where we're going to start, right there. Cue the flashback harp. You know what I want to do? I'm in the mood for getting. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, this is the Christmas. <laughs> this is the, the Christmas episode, you know, and, and, and literally I had like the opening of a Christmas episode here where – I, I heard a knock at the door and I opened it up and there's a guy covered in snow stomping his boots and he's holding a Christmas gift. I was. And I, I'm holding it right here and I'm going to open this on the air. Okay. All right. Wow. This is my Christmas gift for me and my wife. There today. is a uh, nice little tag with Boba Fett on it. And oh, look at this. Here I thought... It was just something big, but it's actually two things small. Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow Pops. These are the only G.I. Joe Pops that I wanted, and I was only going to get them if I could get both of them. And so I've only seen them one at a time at the store. They're like popsicles? No, they're the, the, the Funko Pop Animation guys. They look like bobbleheads, but some of them are, some of them aren't. Marvel ones are bobbleheads. Do because they do they know? I, I hope mean, not. under high temperatures, they're I plastic. They probably would. So. Yeah. Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow. There they are. I am not sure if these will go on my desk at my office at church or here at home. But thank you, Evan. You are welcome. Thank you. All right. Now I'm in the mood for giving. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, I don't know if this will work out, but we're doing a pop exchange with Matt and Daniel. Matt. Anderson from the Sci-Fi Christian and Daniel from Welcome to Level 7. Evan and I are doing this, and I'm not sure if we'll have a chance to do this in time for this episode, but that'd be fun fun to do yeah. if we could. So you may hear them on here later or us on here later. I don't know. We'll see. Opening more pops. Uh, but for right now, we're going to talk about our, our topical episode. That would be after the credits, and we'll tell you if it's happening or not. But uh, the episode. Steve. So clearly things didn't happen in time for us to be able to put it together then. And I actually just completely cut that out of that episode. And here it is. You got to hear it here. Uh, but we didn't get the pops exchanged in time for that episode because it had to get released. However, Evan and I did do uh, a recording session just in case it would work out. And so that will be the Ghost of Funko present which is actually Evan and I opening our Funko presents. Now, you know, Evan and I, when we did this exchange, we exchanged names like you're supposed to do. And so I received Daniel's name. And so I was sending Daniel his Funko pop. Daniel received Evan's name. So Daniel was going to send Evan a Funko pop and kept threatening to send him Deadpool or Golden Girls. We'll get into that 
Evan had Matt's name, and then Matt had my name. And Matt's actually the one who kicked this off. But the four of us, we are all, you know, comic book time machine uh, contributors. Evan has been a guest comic book time machine host. And so that's why this is happening here at the comic book time machine. And so let's go into the ghost of Funko present. And this is where Evan and I open up the Funko pops we received from Matt and Daniel. And so let's cue the harp transition. Okay, jingle bells, jingle bells. It's Christmas time. Christmas time is here. And I think the Stop. next lyric was jingle all the way. Well, I was using the jingle bells, jingle bells as the the uh, opening, the, the tone setter leading into my statement that it's Christmas time. I see. To explain what we're doing right now, which is the Funko Pop Exchange 2016. I don't know why we need a year with it because we've not done this before. The first annual... Yeah. Of many. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Um, so, at... Uh, when was it? It was... Last like a year? Week, a week ago that you came over and gave me a pop that was not part of the pop exchange. Three, right. Or two that pops. Was, that was just for <clears throat> Christmas. Yeah. So, what Evan did for me when he broke the rules of the pop exchange, which is not a bad thing. I'm just saying... Between Evan it and was. Matt, there was more than four pops being exchanged. It, it wasn't part of the pop exchanges just for Christmas. But it was pops. It was pops. It was pops. And it was recorded. Also true. Uh, if you're hearing a, some strange noises in the background, that's my little daughter, Yumi, who is five months old, and she's having the time of her life over she's there. She's having fun time over there. Yep. So Christmas time is about family. <laughs> if it's about anything, it's about family stuff. Yeah, I mean, at least yeah. secondarily, mostly it's about Jesus. Who is about family? Jesus Very is about true. family. Yep. He loves family. He had a family at Christmas time. I mean, it's all there somewhere. Yep. Wrapped up in and something sheep. that we're saying. And donkeys. So, because I did not want to feel bad, <clears throat> is this the right one? We have a bunch of vague. <laughs> Amazon boxes that well, all look exactly the same. Evan came so. <laughs> to my house with this nicely wrapped gift. I came with a bunch of brown boxes that were delivered to my house, so, and then I kicked one into his house from his porch as well. And for the record, the nicely wrapped boxes is due to my wife, not not due to me. Okay, I can't well, uh, take credit for that. <laughs> so I think this is the one that you need to open right now. And who's this from? This is from me. So you've broken the rules also. I, I felt obligated to break rules. <laughs> and the other thing was, when I saw this, I thought, there's no way, there's no way I could not do this. Okay. So so I'm using, we're taking scissors now to the Amazon boxes. Let me peek and make sure. Okay. That's the right box. No, it's not the right box. Okay. We dodged a bullet. I nope, almost nope. opened somebody else's present. So this is the one. Okay. That you need to open right now. Scissors again. So this is just from Ben I mean, for me. He can make sure it's the right one. Okay, hold on. I'm trying to get this thing open. Pull. There we go. Okay, hold on, hold on. Yes, this one okay. is 
the correct box. So this is just from Ben, breaking the rules. He did not draw my name. Oh, sweet! It's Clark Kent turning into Superman. 1940s Clark Kent with glasses and hat. So That's I great, man. Thank you. Wasn't going to break the rules, except I saw this one. I thought, that's a rule breaker right Nice. There. Yeah. Well, thank now, you very much. strictly speaking, Matt is the one who really broke the rules because he got pops for everybody. He did indeed. So for... What a nice guy. Uh, he had my name, so he got one for me. Apparently he saw one that he had to get for Evan, which is on the table right there. And so I don't know, do we do it, do we go to the real ones or do we go to the rule breaker one first? Let's Should we continue the we, rule yeah, breaking? Yeah, let's do the rule okay. breaking and then we'll get to the official. So right. this one's also for me from, from Matt, Matt from who, the Sci-Fi Christian. Who did not draw my name for the pop exchange. No. So this is just for fun. Um, alrighty, hold on a second, we're opening. I'm really bad at this. Yeah. These boxes are not that difficult. <laughs> this is... These boxes are not going to be reusable. It's all right. And it is the same oh my one, Ben! <laughs> okay. Yay! So apparently you both saw the same thing and thought Evan must have this. And this is funny because the only other superhero pops I have are regular Superman. Mm -hmm. And then regular Superman that somebody else bought me. Well, so now I have one for my office, and now I have one for, uh, well, my home office. Or you have one for your home office, and you have one for eBay. Yes. Or something like that. Or as a gift <laughs> later oh down goodness. the road. Well, thank you guys both wow. so much. It's great. Well. All right. There they are. I love them. Twin Clark Kets pulling their shirt open. Maybe tie fluttering the breeze while they wear their nice gray fedora. It looks awesome. And maybe. It does look awesome. That's. It, it does. And, and maybe what needs to happen is one needs to stay in the box and one needs to come out of the box. Because I leave all mine in the box usually. Yeah, I leave mine in the box until I have a place for them. Mm. Which means all of my dark crystal ones in the box right now. Oh, you have the dark crystal ones? I have the dark crystal ones, yeah. I've got, all I have are my, my now four Superman ones. I've got the three pops they did for Tomorrowland. And then I did the Lilo and Stitch. I have the... Uh, the Marvel TV ones. So Agent Coulson, Agent May, and Nick Fury, because he appeared oh, right, on the right, show. Of course. No and, Peggy Carter? And Peggy Carter. Okay. And then I also have the um, the animal ones. Rocket Raccoon, Howard the Duck, <laughs> and Groot. Nice. Now, Howard the Duck is slightly twisted. Uh, his head was at a weird angle when I got it out of the box, and so I tried twisting the spring, because the pops from Marvel are bobbleheads. Mm -hmm. I think it has something with licensing or something like that, that they can't make what would be considered an action figure, so mm -hmm. they made them into bobbleheads. And so now, I so I twisted that spring, and his head is really cockeyed <laughs> now. Uh, and then I have Groot to go with, with Rocket. Okay. And then I have the creature from the Black Lagoon nice. and Swamp Thing. And basically... Oh, and then Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow now. Yeah. Yeah. G.I. Joe. So I set limitations on what I'm actually interested in and how far am I going to allow myself to go with them because there are certain paths that if I were to go down, it would be not good mm. because Understandably. the whole Pokemon right. got to get them all yeah. kind of thing. I, uh, my limitations are I just don't buy any. <laughs> and I tell people to get them 
for gifts. And so then I can put them on my... That's I, an easier limitation to follow. I did buy the Tomorrowland one because I love that movie so much. And I, I thought the collection pool for that movie is so small, I could potentially collect every piece of merchandise. Mm-hmm. Well, so, And that's why with Snake Eyes Storm Shadow, I'm not going to get all the G.I. Joe ones, but those two characters have a spot in my heart. You know? And Marvel TV, easy to stop. Mm-hmm. Now, I did have to ask myself, Daredevil... Marvel, Netflix. But I didn't go there. Okay. I didn't go there. Uh, because I figured there would be more and more and more eventually with that. So. All right, Ben. All right. Time for you to open yours. Well, I think it's time for you to open yours since you already half opened it. Oh, great. Okay. Well, now, here's the thing, though. This yes. is from Daniel. Daniel Butcher. Daniel Butcher, who has been sending us pictures of pops that he did not get for you. Right. But. But thought about getting yes. for you. And he keeps saying that my pop is gross. Is gross and or offensive. Gross and or offensive. Yes. And he's done this on purpose. The, yes. the runners up were Deadpool, um, a scented strawberry shortcake. And I think it's um, Estelle from Golden Girls. Oh, did he send that one? <laughs> yeah. <see> yeah. That. <laughs> yep. That's funny. Uh, which is, again, kind of a Deadpool joke. But, is it? Yeah. Oh, yes. That's the one I didn't get. But, yeah, that's the joke you didn't get. Mm-hmm. It's also, I. I think the pop you didn't get. Hopefully. <laughs> okay. yeah, so, I don't know what I would do with that. But the thing I really have to strongly reiterate with you, he did not tell me what it was. I asked him, he asked me if I wanted to know, and I said, no, no, don't tell me. But he said that I just needed to really reiterate, this is gross. Okay. It is offensive and gross. Okay. Okay. So I am, I'm concerned about what is in this box. I hope it's actually a pop figure. <laughs> so I saw the back of, no, I did see the back in there. I know it's, a pop. Okay. Yeah, it's definitely because it's a pop exchange, but go ahead. Okay, before I open this, uh-huh. a quick story. One time, all my friends who I traveled with with Life Action on our missions team, one time they all just came into the room with a box and they all gathered and they gave it to me and they were going to watch me open it. And I was like, it's, it was a Converse shoe box. I'm like, what is in here? Is it a frog or something? Did you guys catch a snake or something? But I opened it up and it was Superman Converse shoes. That's pretty cool. So I was like, wow. It was actually, it was actually shoes. Okay, here we go. It's gross to him. Here we go. <laughs> yes. It is offensive and gross, but just not to me. It's offensive and gross to the rest of the galaxy. It's Stitch, but he's in his little space uniform with his pistols. Ray guns. Yep, and cool. it's pretty awesome. I have the regular Stitch. <clears throat> this is awesome. I really enjoy this, and it's, uh... Yep, he made that one robot blow chunks with just the things he was saying. So so here he is. He's lived up to his promise, offensive and gross. And also something that fits your collection. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. So this is from Matt for the official exchange. Now Daniel is from Welcome to Level 7 and was on the Sci-Fi Christian for a while. Now this is from Matt, who is yep. Sci-Fi Christian... And this Stitch one was also part of the official exchange. Yes. You guys didn't get that, yes. And so we will see what this is. In, oh, oh, nice. Oh, look at this. Well, well, well. It is the Hot Topic exclusive Aquaman uh, from Batman versus Superman. But what do they call this? Because he's got, like, this blue coloring. I don't know if this... I think this is the underwater version Underwater, of yeah. This is yeah. what he looks like underwater. Turquoise. Very cool. All yeah. right. Uh, because I should say I do have... Uh, regular Aquaman, 
at my my office at work. From comic books, not from, from comic books. Okay. Yeah, yeah. My office at work, I have Superman, Batman, and Robin, and Aquaman, and they're all the least offensive superheroes that can be on my church desk. Church desk. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Wonder Woman, she's probably not going to make it there unless they make a good comic book version with pants with, or a good skirt. Mm. <laughs> Power Girl, never, <laughs> never. So, all right. Thank you, Matt. That is cool. Yeah, it looks awesome. That is very cool. And thank you, got Daniel. His, got his five-pointed trident, which isn't really a trident. Yeah, it's, it's a quindent. Quindent. Yeah. So now you need to get regular well, non-underwater Aquaman. I got to hold off. I got to be careful. <laughs> this I can't let this crack the walls of the parameters I have defined. So, All right. Very cool. Well, we're going to hand it over to Matt and Daniel. Yeah. I'm very excited to see what they think of the pops that they're getting from us. So, all right. And so now we move into the future. Well, the future of the present anyway. Um, This is Matt and Daniel getting together to open their pops. And I'm not sure what's going to go on. I haven't heard this yet. All I know is they sent it to me. I'm placing it in this episode and and then we'll be done. So cue the flashback harp. Here we are live at IHOP about to open our pop exchange it's presents. craziness. So I'm Matt Anderson. This is Daniel Butcher. Uh, I don't know exactly what Ben has in mind, but I think he's going to edit this with a recording of him and Evan also opening their pops that we were doing. So there's the second annual pop exchange. So here's the real frustration about that. Oh, I've literally asked what the reception was to mine because yeah. I was tormenting Evan a lot. Yeah, um, giving him the business. So they've already recorded their. They've already thing. recorded theirs. I know that they've already opened them. And, like a week ago. Yeah, and I have no idea what Evan's reaction was and. Again, as we were discussing, it's I'm a hard person for shopping. You are hard, well, at, to, like to shop for yeah, or is, to shop. Okay, it doesn't. So you're not good at shopping. I'm not good at shopping. Okay. So I think I got something that he'll like. Okay. Uh, I think that it ties in well to me and him and okay. our relationship okay. and things that he likes. Okay. But I've made sure over the last week, well, over the last month, to make sure that he knew that what I got him was horrible. Okay. So, I, and I don't know, but don't tell me what you got him. I'll just be surprised when I hear this recording whenever it may come out. Well, and so I'll find out. Maybe he hated it and he's mad. What if you got me something I have? Do you want me to pretend like I don't have it? Well, see, and you also have ruined the system. What do you mean? Well, I've decided you have the gift, that you have the spiritual gift of gift giving. Okay. Um, because the deal was, is we were all going by one person in this group of pop. Right, so I was going to kind of be like round robin. But you... I just... Yeah, I had ones in mind for everybody. And so I I felt like I should just move I mean, forward. I was going to get you one anyway. Yeah, uh, you and so, me. Yeah. Because that's what we do. Right. But uh, again, I, I, I don't know how they're going to react because, again, they weren't expecting. Let's open our ones from each other first, and then we'll open the ones from them. Okay, so. All right, so I have yours right here. Okay. And... Why don't you want Do you want me to open yours first or do you want to open well, mine first? I have two. You have two for me? Well, pops. You have two pops for me? Yes. That's pretty good. Well, that's all you're getting. Okay. So, so, again, I wrapped. Wait, oh, nice. Wait, you're like, oh. wait a minute. I have this one. I don't know if I do have this one. Do I have this one? 
Spider Gwen. Now, do I, there's different versions of it. I have the one with the mask. I don't know if I have this one. You do not. Okay, I do not. So this is Spider Gwen unmasked, but with her hood up. Where, where is this one from? Is um, it an exclusive somewhere? I don't think so because it doesn't okay. have the sticker. Nice. Well, th- yes, I don't have this one. I have her I know, with a mask. I know because I have a picture of it. Because here yes, again, okay. you're the most frustrating person yeah. in this exchange. Okay. Because uh, out of the four of us, Matt has the most pops, and he knows what he likes. And I have so many I don't remember if I like when I saw this. I was like, Do I have this one? No, I don't think I do. So good work. So like me and Evan, Evan was like having me like get intel for you. So there's like he'd like run things past me, and he'd be like. What do you think about this one for Matt? And I'd be like, it's perfect. Get it. So, like, Evan has uh, ties to the ocean okay. and his family. So, like, he had the surfing Batman for you at uh, one point. And he was, he's like, this is great. And I'm like, it is. It's a combination of Batman and Matt's got that Batman collection. And it ties into you and what you like. This is awesome. And then, like, ten minutes later, I was like, never mind. Don't yeah. Get it. Well, because I'm getting that from... I don't have it yet, but... You the package with the big steak Yes. Okay. I don't have it yet, but I'm getting it for Christmas for my sister. <laughs> so. so. And, of course, the thing we all know you wanted is I have yet to see you in the wild. Oh, Scarlet Spider. Yeah. Yep, yep. So. You're a little excited yet to see in the wild. So, again, my sister who buys a lot of things on eBay, she has told me I should be getting that for Christmas. So I feel comfortable like that that will be in my possession. Ben Riley, Scarlet Spider, Funko Pop. That's amazing. And if you got one of those, what would you do? I would be happy. I don't know. I mean, play with it all the time. Play with it all the time. (laughs) We're grown men. All right, so Matt has made it complicated for me. Yeah. So I don't know what Matt's thinking this year because I'm all over the place, but yet not when it comes to my collection. And I know it's too small for BA. Yeah, so before well, before you open it, let me say this. So we had talked about the A-Team van. And so I said, well, maybe it's in there, but you're saying too small. It's so. too small to be the van. <sighs> I, think you, I think this side is right open. Oh. Yeah. Well, I just, just dive in. I have a knife. I prepared. So this one, you told me you don't have it. Whoa. Whoa. He told me, I, I asked you to make sure. I, <laughs> I don't feel like this is a surprise. Did you kind of know that I was going to get this for you? No. Okay. And I've spent the last three weeks, well, the last two months looking at it like, do oh. I get it? Tell everybody what it is. So it is the Boba Fett, not Boba Fett, the Boba Fett band. And it's Hoth, not Hoth or Half. But it's the Boba, it, yes, it's the Boba Fett prototype, all white armor. I think it looks pretty cool. I, I'm pretty excited about it. Like, I don't own one Star Wars pop, but this is the first one where I saw where I thought, this, I could kind of like having this one. It's pretty cool. So, you know, I sent out the picture of, of the Tauntaun to okay. the group. Oh, yeah. The missus totally authorized me to get it. Oh, seriously? So, nice. and I have a Wampa. Okay. And uh, I'm going into some new lacrosse endeavors where Wampa and Hoth and, and that sort of stuff is going to be, like, tying into my life. So Nice. That's awesome. So I'm pretty excited. I, thank you. You're welcome. I, again, I have had it in my hand. Yes. Uh, I have put it back a few times. I actually went so far as to walk up to the checkout with it and then put it back. I know it's exclusive. It's Walgreens exclusive. Open this one. Open it up. Oh, there's a second one. Ben, or 
Daniel's about to open up the second surprise Ooh. Funko Pop. What is it? It's the van. It's a Christmas miracle. Oh. <laughs> I tell everybody what it is. It's it's BA in the van. Christmas miracle. Wow. This this is what I wanted. That's the one. It's the one. I I could cry. Wow. So this is pretty pretty awesome because uh, I'm a horrible person because there's no way right at the moment that I can even close. See, to... it's kind of a, a little bait and switch. You're like, yeah, oh, it's, I like Boba Fett, but it's no A team. Wow, I'm, there it is. I'm hugging it now. <laughs> Mason, which one do you like better? Mm. Better say the van. I mean, it's okay if you like this one better. I think this one's pretty sweet. Yeah, it's pretty cool. The Star Wars exclusive. It, it, you, it's because you just don't get the A team. I keep trying to make you watch it with me, and you keep saying no. It's pretty awesome. I like this van. Well, plus it comes with Mr. T, so nowhere right. near as good as a van. What, what could it be? Here comes another one. I'm excited about my van. Oh yeah, this is this is good. All right, everybody. This is what I wanted. Actually, when I was thinking of what you might get me, this is sort of, this one was in my head. So, uh, there was a, a string of Batman imposter pops that came out where there were villains such as Penguin, Two-Face, Riddler, all dressed up as Batman, but with sort of their theme to the costume. And I have in my hand Scarecrow, which Scarecrow isn't necessarily my favorite villain, but I love the design of this particular pop. Do you agree? I love the design of that. Yeah. It looks awesome. Yeah, so, again, I probably... There's other villains that I like better, but I think this is my favorite of these imposters. It's, it's a cool look. It is a cool look. With so, the brown and the stitching. Good job. This is, if I could only have one of these, this you're, would have been the one. You're still winning. Because this is the van. <sighs> it's the van. We're both pretty happy because I got uh, Spider-Gwen I had ahead. This Batman that I've and I've had it in my Amazon cart. Like, should I? But I've been trying to be strong. So see, and the thing is, is I want to contribute to your extensive Batman collection. I do have too many Batman. But yeah, and it's hard. It's hard to figure out which ones to get. I gotta show you. Maybe when we show this off, I'm gonna show you my all my pops. I have. I have them on my on an app on my phone. It's pretty. I'm, I'm hugging my van. So all right. Well, that's the end of this part where well, we've opened each other. But okay. now it's time to move on to. Pops from friends across the country. Okay. Before, so the, before the food comes out. The question is, do we do, go with me first or you first? Uh, you first. Okay. So this is from Ben. So, uh, speculation. So you have an idea. I have no idea. I have idea. no idea. Okay. okay. So the question is, is what would Ben get me? Okay. So I'm gonna, I'm going to guess that he got me quick. Quake from, from Ages of Shield. Shield. He did ask me for a list of what I had and didn't have. Well, no, of what I had. So he knows I don't have Quake. And I think out of all the possible pops, it's probably the closest relationship match. Okay. All right. But the box is kind of big. Too what big. if he got you the A-Team band, too? That would be amazing. That it's not that big. <laughs> It's tall, but it's not. It's not squat. Oh. Oh. 
Oh, you just saw it. It's a surprise. It is. It is tied to us. Oh, you might be a little jealous. What is it? It is the Captain America uh, Spider-Man. Actually, I think we, I think and Ben and I no. did talk about this. Oh, so so here's the. Cool I know why he got this for you. I I I wanted a Hawkeye. Yeah. Because I uh, I like to go out and shoot with the bow, and I don't have a Hawkeye. Uh, and a Spider-Man. So it's two that I don't have, plus the keychain. Yeah, you know what? Actually, I was talking to him when he bought this online. Uh, so it's all coming back to me. I totally forgot that I did know you were getting this because he said he knew you didn't have a Hawkeye. And this is the whole Civil War set. I, I'm excited. I, again, this pop exchange is working out pretty awesome for me. Yeah. Wow. This is a cool one. Yeah. This is a really, because you got two keychains uh, for Captain America and Iron Man, plus it comes with. Spider-Man from Civil War and Hawkeye from and Civil War. And what's ironic is as much as I have as many Spider-Mans you have, yeah. I have none. Even that though I hid some of my dad's pops today. That's for you. You hid my pops? Yeah. Okay, yeah, you want to open it up for me? Well, or do you want the knife? No, you can just open it. So this is Evan. So so Evan is giving... Well, do you want to say anything to Ben? He's here. Wow, I'm excited. I, a Hawkeye. I mean, the Spider-Man... So you don't even care about Spider-Man? That's like the, the best... Spider-Man feels like a bonus. Yeah. It's the Hawkeye that I really... So you want me to go ahead and pre-cut this, or do you want to cut it? You cut it. Dive in. So we're about to open up the gift that Evan got me. Daniel's yeah. cutting it open for me. Here's the other thing. Out of everybody, I feel like you and Evan know each other the least. Oh, it's true. I'd lo- so. I mean, I'd love to connect more with him, but... Yeah, right now we, we're friends. We talk almost daily. So we know he likes Disney. What do you think he would have thought for you? Something Marvel, I'm sure. Uh, or Batman. It's either Marvel or Batman. It's got to be. It's impossible to get you anything Marvel or Batman. Uh, no, because if, if it's the Riddler in Popster, then... Because you got me Scarecrow, and Riddler would have been my second choice. I could see... Because I think you knew that, that. I like those two. So it yes. could be that. What else could it be? It could be... He did ask me a lot of questions. It could be... Hmm. He did ask me a ton of questions. Probably again. Oh, it's wrapped up. What? what? Evan actually wrapped up the gift. There's two things in here, though. I don't know if this is for me. Is it? Is this I'm whole ass- box for me? I'm assuming. No, Pop is for Matt. Second present is for Daniel. Oh, gee, I didn't get him any. Oh, no. Now I feel good. Let me open this top person. You can open that up. Oh, my gosh. Can I open this for you? Evan got me the thing I've been wanting the most more than anything. I know. So if my sister falls through, Evan got me Scarlet Spider. Ben Riley is in my hand. This is amazing. Well, and now you'll have one box. Should we open this right now? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. This is you've been dreaming of this. Okay, everybody, listen to this. So, so literally since the end of October, every day I have been going into Walgreens looking for Scarlet Scarlet Spider. Oh my gosh! Everybody, listen to this. This is this is the bobblehead of Scarlet Spider. So, Evan, thank you so much. This is my favorite character. Like I said, my sister might also be getting this from me, but who cares? It'd be awesome. Like Daniel was saying, to have two: one that I can play with, and one that I can keep boxed up. So now, and now I know for a fact I will have it. So, in case my sister was just like, "Yeah, I'll look for that," and falls through, Evan, you came through. The this, I mean, I'm not exaggerating when I say this. That if there, were, if I could only have one, if I could only own one. 
Funko Pop in the world. <laughs> it would be that one. This right is there. this one I'm holding right now would be the one. So And I believe you. I'm not it's not an exaggeration. I mean nothing against the present you got me, Daniel, but Evan, you got me the greatest Funko Pop that exists. And I will tell you that when he found it, he was ecstatic. This is awesome. So it was a victory. Thank you. All right, watch open yours. And yeah, still haven't seen it. I still have not seen one of those in a while. This is amazing. So you knew you knew I was getting this? Yeah. Okay. So I mean, guys, I'm gonna guess it's a um comic book. Yeah, I'm guessing it's a comic book based on the size. Yeah. Well, it does have a white back. Thank you again, Evan. Let's see what we got here for Daniel. Number one, but look at it. Oh, it's a great cover that I Wait, looks like there's two. Is there? Yeah. There's two in here. Yeah. Let's see what's in there. I do like me some variants. Oh. And it's one of the Agents Shield variants from uh, when they did the covers. Oh, I like that one. It's a great one. It's the uh, Colson in the uh, Snow one. Good thinking, Evan. Wow. Very nice. Well, thank you very much, Evan. Way to go. I appreciate that. He nailed our Christmas presents this year. Yeah. Should we we shut this down and and send this clip over to Ben? Let's do that. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you to all of the gift givers out there that are (laughs) giving gifts for Christmas. I don't know what I'm saying. Thanks, Evan. Thanks, Daniel. Uh, Be safe, kids. Make good choices. And so there ends our comic book time machine Christmas Spectacular, from Star Trek The Next Generation to A-Team Pops. It's all here. It's all here. And it's all done. And so I'm just going to say Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night or whatever. And if you're not listening to this at Christmas, then happy day, whatever day it is that you're having. Oh, and also Godspeed.